Hi, welcome to another episode of Ways of Life. I'm your host, Krista Wells, and today I'm really excited to introduce you to my friend Alex Wong, who is a musician and producer here in Nashville, Tennessee. Alex is a Latin Grammy-nominated artist and producer. He's had music in The Last Song, The Lincoln Lawyer, and TV shows like True Blood, Ray Donovan, One Tree Hill. He's toured all over the world. And one of the things I greatly appreciate about Alex and his work is his love for collaboration and engagement with community and the way he thinks outside of the box. During lockdown, he curated and performed two virtual benefit tours featuring a variety of artists. And these tours raised $10,000 to help fight anti-Asian hate via the Quiet Voice Fund, which he named after his beautiful song, The Quiet Voice. So here's Alex Wong. Well, I'm so glad that you're here and willing to be recorded in conversation. And um, off the air, we you were just saying, of the many afflictions that you've experienced in life, boredom is not one of them. So Alex Wong, tell us about why boredom is not part of your life. Oh, um, just, uh, I feel that it, I feel lucky to be curious and restless, I guess sometimes. And, um, (laughs) yeah, I feel like there's, like you said, I mean, I feel fascinated all the time by the world and, um, I think there's so much out there to just be like enthralled by and, um, I just don't remember maybe when I was, you know, seven or eight or something, maybe I said, I'm bored to my mom or something. But I mean, gosh, I really can't remember the last time I felt that feeling. I always feel like the the opposite of that feeling, which is kind of a, uh, like a heartbreaking, beautiful feeling of like, there will never be enough time to to explore all this stuff, at least in this life. It is heartbreaking and beautiful. I know that resonates here because I, if I, I, one of the things I struggle against most probably is time being too time conscious, too time bound and feeling like time is my oppressor. (laughs) I just really love spaciousness and feeling like I have nowhere to go nowhere to be so I can follow whims. And so when I think of life and having a lifespan with a definitive closing time, that does kind of break my heart. Cause I'm like, I, but what if I get there and I still have another idea I haven't done yet? Do you feel that way at all? Uh, yeah. I loved, I mean, I love how unreliable my perception of time is. Mm. Uh, I've come to love it and I I've come to accept that I'm never a good judge. Uh, I'm never a good judge of, of how much I feel like it's always changing. Like I think sometimes it feels like time has slowed down in this beautiful way where some days I am just cranking stuff out or just getting stuff done. And like the clock seems like it's just creeping by, which is, is amazing um, in those moments. And then sometimes where it's uh you you know that i forget the name of the law that you know your uh task expands to fill mm-hmm. all available time that you have mm-hmm. 
where where that that totally happens and then sort of the other end of that being recently i've uh carved out some space to work on some more like nebulous projects that don't really have a very uh structured there there's just like it it's it's a lot of like experimenting and and figuring out stuff and so there's not a whole lot of executing or a lot of like uh you know check offable things going on and the i'm also noticing that it expands like your i don't know that also expands to fill up you know the available time like this this creative like the creative process and that's something i'm just like observing and learning about like how sometimes I can be so laser focused with the creativity and then sometimes when I actually like have blocked a big chunk of time out it's almost a little harder to 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 get in the zone or something or there's like more room for the monster voices to come in and fuck with you yes yeah there there is something to be said at least in my experience for creating deadlines that are at times nearer to (laughs) nearer than I think I need. Um, I do, I do personally tend to um, take up as much space as I have, like you said. And so if I have a close up deadline, I will some, the magic kicks in for me towards, you know, the, the approach of the deadline. And I do get this focus and it's a tunnel vision um, that can be helpful, even if uncomfortable. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a gamble for me. <laughs> sometimes the deadline kicks me into magic zone. And then sometimes it's like disaster. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things, when I first met you, one of the things that, um, I really loved was seeing all of the ways that you, um, apply your creative energy and I probably loved it because it made me feel less alone. I'm like, oh, I'm not the only person like doing multiple things and following these different whims. Um, but I also really am interested in how you engage community, how you engage with community and including Patreon. You have a really fabulous Patreon engagement and and do such inventive things in that space. Can you share a little bit maybe about the role of community in your life, the different ways that that shows up. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's all, it's all like life hacking. Like I think, um, like we were talking about with time, like we learn our little hacks for how to, you know, partition off time so that we perform better or we, we get more creative and, and, you know, like there's certain things like I really love blocking out like a morning routine. I love to like block, you know, little like life hack stuff that works for me. And and I think for like my love for doing stuff with community is sort of the same thing. It, it, it's somewhere where I've always found um, a lot of inspiration because of the... I don't know, like the intention of it always feels cleaner to me and it always feels like I can, I don't know, just be more curious and, and like go harder because somehow it's it's a collective community 
energy rather than a me energy. Um, and, uh, and I love, I think it just sort of like the sum is greater, you know, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts kind of magic that happens with collaboration projects. Um, it's like, it's a really, I just have always loved collaborating and where it, where it pushes my skill set and, and curiosity. Yeah. And so you, you, um, collaborate with other artists, musical artists, visual artists, um, choreographers. I've seen, you've just seemed to have reached into a lot of different spaces that probably aren't all your, you know, wheelhouse. Well, I guess that's the point of collaboration is to work outside of your own wheelhouse. And I mean, you've done so many different projects. Well, I did these tours, so they were kind of, those recent ones were were based around, uh, you know, virtual tours that I was doing during the pandemic. Um, And uh, they were just ways for me to, one, sort of like stay present and stay like curious during that crazy time. And, um, And two, like, I think I've always, it, you know, like in my spare time, I find myself always like going into other artistic mediums. Like I'm always listening to like chef interviews on YouTube or watching like, I don't know, or like podcasts and stuff with creative people that are outside of music. And I'm always inspired and be able to extrapolate stuff from those conversations. Um, in cool ways for my own work in music and um maybe that's just like a weird way my brain always gets gets kicked into gear but i've always been more i wouldn't say more but very inspired by other disciplines and other people's creative processes in other disciplines so um super fascinated that that's kind of where it started and so i just i put this these tours together where each show i um since we obviously couldn't go anywhere i liked the idea of being able to collaborate you know kind of freed up this other you know freed us up from geographical boundaries and 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 really like genre boundaries like the types of artists that i invited to do collaborations um over zoom and over you know kind of like video work and stuff like that were people that would very we be very impractical to take on an actual tour and to pre- present mm-hmm. that sort of thing in in a live setting although it would be amazing someday but also like you can't really communicate like there's a narrow type of communication that you can do in a show a live show setting and like i loved that this opened up it almost like more like a variety show where we could add other kinds of media like video and interview and pictures and whatever and um and i could work with people who it would just be really weird to do (laughs) live like one of the more out there ones was uh with a woodworker and that was really really cool to be able to kind of uh you know it's almost like a late night talk show where it's like we we got to talk about our process and then we got to kind of collaborate on uh a video piece that we showed to people where there was this through line between kind of like a a song of mine and what um, this person was sort of carving. And it's just like, I just love 
connection points that are in unusual places. I think that's always been my, the way my mind chooses to work. So like analogies. Yes, me too. I was just talking, rambling about metaphors yesterday because I walked out and saw that the house across the street from me had been finally devoured by the construction company. I've been, you know, knowing it was coming for three years and it finally happened. And it just was so heartbreaking, but instantly my brain goes into metaphor mode and I'm like, how am I a house that's been torn down? <laughs> you know, and, and also what has that house sitting there across the street been for me the last few years, you know, what yeah. have, besides just being a house, what has it represented for me? And so it's mm -hmm. demolition means what, you know, mm. and yeah, so I, I understand that so well. Um, talk about cooking, your love for cooking. Sure. Uh, and I have to disclaimer by saying that I, I've, that's one, through the pandemic, I feel like uh, that is one thing that I've, I've felt um, suffer a little bit because it's like my overall tank of creative energy felt lower and so i kind of had to like triage and use it use the gas on choose what i was using that gas on um so i actually feel like i haven't done any uh you know fun artful cooking in that way in in a in a while but um i will say that it is something that uh, i love and it's like it is a place where i see tons of analogy and i love working off of um I just love the similarities in uh, the processes of creating music, especially in the studio and creating recipes and the type of intuition that you tap into to especially in processes like mixing or arranging or something where there's really no, the, you know, you're just listening for your intuition to be like, okay, that's enough reverb or whatever. That's enough salt um you know i i feel like each spice kind of has like its analog audio effect <laughs> and uh but it's sort of tapping into that same thing that that that's a it's just a little tiny voice that we're spending our entire lives learning how to hear it and listen to it and not ignore it and know when it's telling us the truth and you know when it's coming from not intuitive place like a fear place or something mm -hmm. um, uh, so I think it's just another arena to practice your intuition um, and I feel like it's never wrong you might not listen to it like especially I'm thinking of th times where you're you've got like a huge pot of I don't know broth or stew or something and you're salting it and you you, you don't and if you know for me there is a little voice that's like okay you're done you're done stop like <laughs> stop and i don't know where it's not like i'm sitting there tasting it constantly but there is there is a voice that's like okay stop mm. um, and you can choose to you know you can choose to listen to it or you can choose to keep on salting that thing and um you know potentially ruin it um but i just i feel like that exists in 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 at least both of those uh, mediums and probably every single medium. <laughs> yes, and all of life, 
yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. I mean, that's it. I've been working with some people this fall um, who are not songwriters. And the the idea, it's a, it's a beta group. We're trying this out, but we're using music and storytelling as kind of as living metaphors so that people can explore their lives through through songwriting, even if they have no intention of being a songwriter or a musician. But it's it's like you're talking about ingredients. And when you're working with music, of course, you're laying down concepts and lyrical ideas and melodic ideas and arrangement ideas. And it requires you to do some sifting and sorting and figure out what is going to serve this song. And so when we look at our lives and we say, what is serving this season of my life? You know, which ingredients, how, how do I go about that sifting and sorting and prioritizing and arranging? And it's a fun analogy, I think, to play with. Absolutely. I, I, start, I started a, there's a new like pandemic practice that I started doing, which is sort of in line with that, where uh, I will you know, go lie down on my yoga mat for five minutes or something like that, where if I'm uh, kind of burnt out or if I'm kind of like fuzzy, especially if I have to make any kind of decision, even if it's a decision about like, oh, what do I, what am I going to eat? What am I, what, what task am I fit, like capable of doing right now? And there is sort of this like check-in that I am learning to do where it's a hundred percent listening to the, that intuitive voice. And I have to do, I have to go to the yoga mat and like lie there for a second and, and, and listen sometimes because before I would just power through so much and I would, I, I had learned that, Oh, I get results when I'm like sheer force of will myself through tasks or, or, um, and, and you end up, using other signposts or I did at least besides your intuition, which is usually external stuff or other people's opinions or, um, you know, a lot of the shoulds, uh, the, the, the should army. And so uh, like, that's been really helpful for me to learn. Cause I feel like I hadn't, I wasn't particularly connected to my intuitive voice for a long time. And so, um, or I would always override it with more noise or something like that um so this has been really good practice to even if it's just like do i want an apple or an orange like just listen and your body will tell you it'll 100 percent tell you um and so i kind of am always consulting that thing now yes me too it's been a learned practice for me as well and i but i love that you've connected it to a bodily practice um now, I imagine when you're out and about or you're on vacation or somewhere else, you if you don't have access to lay down on your mat, but you need to respond to something, how do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, you can, I, I am getting better at like zoning in. Maybe I maybe if I can get to like a quiet place, I'll choose to do that mm-hmm. if I can't, I mean, sometimes it's about learning when to not make a decision too for me. Like mm. times where I'm like, okay, I will know when I wake up tomorrow what to do about this thing. Um, but I, right now it's all fuzz and it's all noise. And um, 
I don't feel like I'm connected to my intuition right now. So sometimes if you can't, if I can, sometimes I'll put, put it off until I, I know I can connect to my intuition. Yes. I've had more faith in, in being like, it'll happen. It will definitely, if it doesn't happen now, it'll happen in the morning, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that was what I was missing before. It was always like, maybe I'll never, never know. Or, you know, there was always this sort of like paranoia, um, lack of faith in hearing that, that voice. For, for me, it does um, seem like it requires a good deal of external boundary still. Maybe, it, like you said, it, it's something to practice being able to access that when I'm in a room with noise and things going on. Um, but physically separating myself has always been pretty, it's made a big difference in my ability to know what I truly think or truly feel or truly know to be the way to proceed. Um, but I, I, similarly, I, I think I didn't allow enough space between a prompt and a response before. Mm -hmm. The other thing I have learned to do, which I think we may have talked about in the past is when I was producing my album, I was kind of a mess because I was self-producing it and I hadn't, it was bringing up all, all the shit. Mm. And, uh, and I, I, I needed to separate myself into like a, basically a whole separate personality, which was going to be my producer. And, um, I physically, uh, did and, and I named this entity blue and I would have these conversations with blue out loud, had to be out loud. And, um, and then he took on this sort of identity and he stuck around and he's, he's with me now. And mm -hmm. he's, uh, like I can sometimes if I, yeah, if I can't lie down, I'll, I'll have a conversation in the car or whatever with, with blue. Uh, and he's pretty, usually pretty, pretty spot on. Isn't that amazing? I, I've had very similar experience. I mean, have similar practices of talking with other parts of myself and, and sometimes just with other people that um, maybe represent or are a placeholder for parts of myself, maybe someone who is strong in a way that I don't yet feel strong. And I'll almost envision having a conversation with them and asking, and they're, they're telling me what they would do, giving me advice. And of course, it's all in my mind. It's all within me. But um I found that really powerful. And I know when you and I first met, we were talking um, about beginning to understand shadow, shadow parts of ourselves, which uh, it's interesting because in the past, I thought shadow is all the dark, unseemly parts of ourselves. But really, we can tuck anything into shadow early in life. We can put beauty or talent or ambition or anything into the shadow feeling like it's not welcome in our world. So, um, and I know you've created work recently around what you've learned without, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, also thank you for the book recommendation. Uh, yes. 
the Dark Side of the Light Chasers, I think is. The yes, uh, I feel like I've recommended that book so much the last yeah. couple of months. Yeah, I'm, I'm I audio booked it, but I'm on my second pass through, <laughs> and uh, there's uh, there's a lot in there. It's it's great. It's uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely something I, I had. Uh, I've always been really fascinated by and. Um, I think there's been times in my life where it really, it was shown to me the, I don't know, like the costs of not integrating or like denying certain parts of myself. And um, I feel like I had to really, yeah, like learn, you know, the difference between like integrating a part that maybe you are, not, yeah, maybe you judge it or maybe you're, you're not happy with it versus this other thing I would do before, which was like basically other it and be like that. I'm not myself right now. I'm not me. Uh, yeah. th this is, uh, this is me in this other state. And it was almost like a, um, it was a way to like excuse it from affecting my self identity. But then it was just, just, growing unchecked <laughs> so um yeah i think that that i've ha had a few lessons around that and um i released a song with uh, another artist named carrie welling which is called monster which is uh which is um our 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 poppy ver our, our poppy version of a of a self-help song about your shadow parts um so it is nice to kind of talk about it. I've talked, I, I do, it does come up a lot in my other writing, um, on my record and, and yeah, I think it's, it's like, I think well documented that, you know, it's, it's stuff that you, um, yeah, the stuff that you keep in the shadows really, <laughs> really can come and bite you in the ass. And <laughs> Yeah. And when you're not aware of what's in the shadow, you don't understand half of the choices you're making in life. Right. Because yeah. it's uh, one of my friends described it as like, you're on a double decker bus and it's actually, you're up on the, your awareness is up top, but the bus is actually being steered by right. subconscious yeah. or by your eight-year-old self or something. So like, why are we going this way? I'm, I'm telling you this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to come out either way. Like right. it's going to steer. I, I always heard it as the flea and the elephant, like the, the flea riding on the elephant thinking that he's yeah in control. Yeah. Well, I think it's really um, been helpful to me too, to practice just paying attention to um, anything that brings up big emotions. I think she, that's what she talks about uh, in one of the early chapters is, you know, anything that you feel like weirdly strongly about yeah. anger or really um, fearful or really judgmental, but also if you respond or to another person in a really strong way, um, maybe yes. with excessive admiration or something that can, that either way, it's an opportunity to ask ourselves, I wonder why I feel so much emotion around this mm -hmm. and whatever it is I'm seeing in that person, whether I'm judging it or loving it, it's something that's calling to the same thing in me. Yeah. 
Totally. That really struck me too when they were talking not just uh, the things that trigger you in a bad way, but the the people you idolize um, and accepting that you are also capable of that. Yes. As well. Yeah. And the, and so on the dark darker side of things, it fosters compassion and empathy because um, I can go, oh, how am I also that way? And then suddenly my anger diffuses because I just feel like a connection with this person. Um, but yeah, and then on the positive side, it calls me up to develop maybe something that's underdeveloped in myself, which also I was just speaking with someone about, um, you know, the the cliche in partnerships that opposites attract. And I think especially in young unaware partnerships, you're drawn to this person who's so opposite from you because you're like, Oh, you know, you're seeing that thing in them that you don't see in yourself, but really you're responding to something that is in you. It's just not developed yet. And so if you're not aware, you might never develop that in yourself because you think, well, I've outsourced that. I've got that covered by being partnered with this person who's really good at that mm. or really has this. Um, and it could be an opportunity loss, you know, to wait. Right. I don't need to latch on to somebody who's got that. Maybe I just need to develop that in me. Yeah. Um, what are you, what are you working on right now that is uh, lighting you up? Well, um, I am working on a few things. Uh, I am doing a lot of writing, which has actually been um, pretty wonderful. Like just to, I, I feel like I've always been very boxy with my my personal songwriting. Like I fetter away a bunch of ideas and then work on like 50 of them at this prescribed time and maybe that's something to look at for me but um, <laughs> but what's interesting to me about that is that usually there's like time that has passed in between those chunks of time that I get to do that and so I feel like a different I'm always a little different the next mm -hmm. my process is a little different the next time and and this particular time has actually been really um has been kind of freeing because um it just goes in line with a lot of the um you know stuff we've been talking about and sort of other personal work in other areas but like um you know i've always clamped down i've always had a tendency to clamp down on my creative process with my editor and um and it's like i've managed to somehow still put stuff out and like <laughs> make things but it's sometimes really fraught it used to be really fraught because i was like creating at the same time as i was judging and it was just sort of like not very enjoyable of a process and luckily stuff still made it through the <laughs> the filter but um but but this time i think and and a lot of times it mirrors like my process as a producer with other artists. Um, I've noticed my process change a little bit with when kind of working uh, in with another artist in terms of just like um, creating like world building their their sonic world and stuff like that. And and it's been more playful and it's been more. Um, I don't know. I feel like I started using tools in a in a different way that felt a little 
yeah, just more playful and um, where I could hear like kind of tap into that voice and hear a, a bunch of ideas, maybe some, you know, maybe there's a, you hear a melody and then you might hear a few other things that go with that melody and and um it's like a race against time to get those out before they go away but i i feel like that's been more of this this process this time is like i have you know my tons of scraps on my phone um where you know it's just me like warbling into my phone and um i've been more enjoying more like taking that listening more to my guys blue and whoever and (laughs) letting them just throw a bunch of ideas down and not even and then like almost i've been doing that and then moving on to the next one and you know i'm just i've got a folder of like 50 of those kinds of things where i even i didn't even sit there for that long long enough to be like is this good is this you know (laughs) um and I, and I, you know, and then later I can go on a walk and listen to everything and, and like hear other stuff. And so I, I feel like my process has become more batched out where I'm trying to do less of the work and I'm trying to let my intuition do more of the work of hearing, hearing stuff and me just being the like documentation, like just mm-hmm. documenting um, the, the, you know, like I've got now these demos from those sketches in a folder on my phone which now i'm walking around and like if another part flies into the you know ether i'll sing that part down or something and just sort of not really think too much about it and um and over just keep collecting keep collecting collecting instead of being like we're in the writing room we sit down (laughs) with a guitar and you know like um, you know it's such a different i mean that's worked that's worked in the past but i don't prefer it right now um and i i think escaping like if i can skirt the that dread feeling like that like Mm -hmm. like i've written my last song like ever feeling that I just feel like is not useful for me, especially like um, I'm trying to concentrate more on the the fun part and the like, yeah, like I'm just the, I'm just the transcriber. I'm not really like, it's not my responsibility to generate these things. I just have to listen for them and get them down and opening up the, the space to do that a little bit more. That's amazing. That is, you just said so many, so much that's going to be helpful for artists, um, people, anybody engaged in creative work um, is going to really benefit from listening to that because it is so easy to have all the guys in the room at the same time, you know, the child at play and the transcriber and the editor and the A&R guy and the producer, just everybody in your brain can just get so flooded that you shut down that magic and the flow. Um, so I love how you've found a way to take the pressure off. Yeah. It's like another life hack. It's like hacking yourself or just always hacking ourselves. But I'm really fascinated with, I mean, we're talking about time and how, you know, 
it's like time travel. I mean, the other project that I have not yet talked about <laughs> that I'll yes. get to eventually um, is a is a painting and music collaboration, and it's just interesting the idea of time with things like that. Like a painting is like this flattened, you know, long period of time that gets flattened, and then you're appreciating all of these different moments in time at one time and that gives you a certain experience and and it's like with music also like especially with this process it's things that are coming to me days later or or weeks later are now getting smushed into this one idea that you're going to get to experience at this one time and it's like a accumulation of many moments of time um, and maybe that is supposed to be how it, uh, you know, it. you're supposed to time travel when you listen to music. And um, anyway. Yeah, I saw you post um, something about the painting and I was yeah. eager to hear you. Cause I think it was just a question. What did you say? It was. Oh, I'm not going to be able to uh, quote you on now. Like, what if you could add the element of time to an oil painting or something like that. And yeah, and that's yeah. a question that began this project that I'm doing with an oil painter from California. Uh, his name is Kenny Harris. And uh, we had collaborated before uh, in one of those tours on a, um, a painting that started to play around with the element of time. So I had a song that took place the song was separate from like it was written long before uh we, we did this collaboration but it was a song about a place in la and it was about how time kind of freezes and um and so he ended up painting a street that's actually named in the song and he painted it from morning he went and took pictures of the street for, in the like in the early morning and then like midday and then dusk and he painted this painting of the street where on the left side it starts in the morning and then it moves like time kind of moves across the canvas um so the right side is dusk and but it's all in one painting right um, and so that got us thinking more about like okay well t painting is a time-based activity why is it that we never experience that and what other stories can you tell if you can add back in time um which on a canvas is hard to to do but we we so we were like okay how how could we do it not like uh not just like an animation or something but like actually on a canvas but experience it through through time so the next thing we did was this song of mine called the light and it is um essentially it's a song about how unreliable our idea of distance is and and like the metaphor in the song is sort of like space the idea of what of space is super far but it's actually like only 45 miles up or something like that like it's not really the distance is like driving to the next town over yeah. and the idea being like we can feel really close to people who are super far away or we can feel like you know distances apart when we're right next to somebody and 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 there's 
there's a question in the song that's like, are we still chasing? It's like basically about are we chasing the same thing? Are we still like going after, you know, the light represents this unseen goal or this dream or our relationship or whatever it is that we're kind of trying to attain and it's always out of frame and we're, we're sort of just wondering, like, are we still chasing the thing that we think we were in the beginning? Mm-hmm. So we, uh, and the song was sort of just hadn't really been fleshed out and so we started working together on this um where we wanted to show like what would it be like to show like a light source moving on an actual oil painting so we ended up doing uh it's a painting of my face where the light source moves three different locations so it's three paintings but he's you're so you're watching him paint it and then he destroys the painting and then he paints another one on top of it with the light source in a different place and then destroys that and then paints another one. So it's like a time-lapse video of of this happening. And it's actually like so emotional to watch a finished mm-hmm. oil painting get destroyed. <laughs> like this is something yeah. that you don't really get to experience or I never had experienced as an emotional tool. And to see the change happen on a canvas um, and also to see the process like you never get to see the process of painting right um was really like um affecting and uh it it it, yeah it was just like a new which like wow this is like it feels different in a new way um at least for us and um and so we were so we ended up deciding that the so we released this or we are releasing it it isn't out yet but um we're actually releasing it as an nft this is our first foray into this very new world um Ah. but because artistically this was like the best this was the only place where we could attach a physical object to a digital object um and have them linked in a in like a actual verifiable way um so it's been really interesting we've been lucky to work with this company that's in that space and um as a as a kind of helping us to do this and um it's a it's like a fire hose of information coming at me learning about all this stuff but i actually am the more that i go deeper into it the more i be i really believe that it's it's gonna it it will change every single industry and and i think for me it's like i have to learn by doing a thing so this is my way of like understanding it better so that's what i'm doing yeah after you posted about it i had to go and do i uh, do a little research of my own to try to understand yeah that and i still don't but i understand it a little bit yeah i mean it's it's the quick like there's so many conversations here but the really like the basic thing is a you know it's a thing that is digital but it is a thing that can be unique which means like it can't you if you don't want it to be copied it can't be copied and you can make a thing like a painting which is why we did this is because a, a, a piece like this, like I, I didn't, there's some pieces that don't have a space right now because like right now we're told like, okay, well, well, 
streamings here, so your choice is either to make a CD, which no one will listen to, or put it up and stream it, which is great for consumers, but has destroyed artists because it doesn't take into account any of the cost of making the thing or any of that. And it just kind of handed to us as a model because of because the technology was already here. They're like, well, we can't go backwards, so here you go, right? But there's a lot of, and in, in, in the fine art world, it's the same thing where there's painters that spend, you know, like their oil paintings pretty hard and people spend a lot of time on it. And, and so you have Instagram and you have like a gallery and that's like your it's like those two choices and it's like there are what if you create a piece of fine art that isn't meant to be physical on a canvas but yet is still something that needs to be treated in this way of being a unique thing and we couldn't do anything with that before um and so this is kind of the first time we can say hey that is that's an object that needs that has value and can be owned and can be purchased and can be resold and can be you know like and uh, not to get into like the total rabbit hole but in one a- application musically it's like if you you can put anything onto the blockchain which is what this is all based on mm-hmm. even a performance even like the motown musicians who didn't get who were work for hire and didn't get royalties on all the parts that made those songs hits all the instrumental hooks and all that stuff if those parts were on this ledger there would be automatic they would have automatically been paid not even needing to go through lawyers or any of it they would automatically have been paid whatever defined percentage in this contract that is embedded in all of these things every single time it got sampled and every single time it got distributed and every single time it got re-sold or you know, re-performed and all this stuff and it just I think people get confused by being like they just sold a one pixel JPEG for 60 grand that's so like what the fuck is this <laughs> um, and not seeing the architecture underneath that and what it's built what is uh, you know what it's built on um and uh, and then the other thing that we're the, the the thing we couldn't do before is those three paintings that got destroyed in this piece when he finished each one he took a high resolution uh print of each one so the only place that that exists is digital now wow uh, so they're only one and we only made one copy of each of those things and those are part of this set of nfts so it's yeah it's just interesting what is possible there's a lot to explore there and i have a you know one of my sisters and her husband are both painters so i'm curious you know if what they might explore with this down the road and we've um collaborated in less inner less direct ways in the past where i've they had already created a piece of art twice with my brother-in-law Rocky and one of my sister Mandy's pieces ended up being used in cover art for my albums. And it was interesting, a couple years ago, Rocky and I, um, when I was releasing an album called Velveteen, I used his, one of his paintings was incorporated into the cover art. I mean, I should say the cover art was 
completely derived from his painting, but his painting was massive. And <laughs> we used a part of it on the cover. But it was such a beautiful piece. And so when it was um, being shown downtown, I was also releasing my album. And so we went, we had gathered some people and he spoke about his process. And then I played the song in front of the painting. And he was commenting, you know, this is to your point about all the process that goes into the painting, um, the time, the passage of time and all of that. And he was saying, it's so interesting because I painted this at a different time. And when I stand up and talk about it, it's, you're just seeing it's done. You're just seeing the doneness. Right. Um, and nobody can really reenter that creative time space, but the song was done and recorded, but what I'm presenting live is a really a whole other, it's a new thing. Every time you perform a song, it's a new thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's just an interesting thing to explore. And so I love that you're doing this pioneering and exploring. And I also love that your work is so question oriented, um, which makes me think of my brother-in-law, Rocky. I've interviewed him before and he talks about where his art begins. He does installation pieces and visual art and it's from um, paintings. And it's very much coming from a place of just climbing inside of a question. It's not about presenting answers. Yet I've worked with a lot of songwriters who are very answer focused. Right. Yeah, no, you nailed it. I am so question focused. And thank you for noticing that because, yeah, exactly. Like I'm that's what motivates me for sure with with writing and not the answer part like i am the last person you guys want to hear from for the answers so but you're, I, you're inviting a conversation the que focusing on the question in leaves room for conversation everybody's invited yeah yeah well that's what I, it's it's almost selfish because that's just it's me being like what do i need right now mm -hmm. What do I, you know, it's my way of working out questions and, and that's, and, you know, I feel like my stated mission with writing has, has been kind of like, yeah, I want to, I want to evoke something that helps people remember mm -hmm. stuff, like who they are, who they are, who they really are, you know, and, and, and connect to that. But I, can't tell people who they are i can't tell people who i am so <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is um key in your life right now i know this might change but key to key ingredients to your sense of aliveness like to your experience of aliveness charlotte the dog yes um she's bored she's in she's like the studio is boring <laughs> um that's a good question um okay well the things i i have been working on myself and i guess i, I don't know if i offer those as answers but the things i'm working on right now mm -hmm. are definitely gratitude yeah, um and not just like I feel like I've been sometimes good at like lip service gratitude or like um, not really feeling like still feeling shitty, but being like, I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so I'm kind of in process of reframing everything that I like just you know something that happened recently and we talked a little bit so like you know occasionally deal with depression and this last time was kind of an interesting time because I had uh, it was because you just go through these uh, periods where it's like you feel shitty and mm-hmm. don't always have a it's not always causal um, I don't know if that's an actual word but I'm going to say it anyway um, it's not always cause based uh, and so at one point and this was a pretty long like this lasted pretty like better part of the month and it's kind of like nothing was worse or better than now um i and then at one point it just felt i felt the the shit lift Mm. uh not like it's not like a linear it's not like oh it's gone but (laughs) i did feel like oh wow that and it was a noticeable thing that happened and i was like well nothing no event really triggered that there was no um you know i didn't win the lottery in between or anything or like so it was kind of interesting to look like being close enough to the window of both feelings and remembering both feelings to be like okay so you know you looked at this one event yesterday it felt like this today the same event feels like this Mm. you know why or you know what what's what can we like get out of that observation um so that's been pretty interesting to me right now is just being like okay so again it's like your reality and both were absolutely seemed like reality you know and so which one of them is like, you know <laughs> what is reality yeah right exactly and so the, with gratitude I, I yeah it's just it's like the framing is so important and i guess just knowing that like there is an alternative feeling i guess to every every event or every mm. every thing that you're feeling um and i'm not saying one is true and one's a lie but it's just like there's there's an alternative operating at the same time right i i remember reading a, a few years ago in this book called awareness by anthony demello um, I don't, I think I've heard this quote from numerous people, so I don't know who originated it, but just that we see the world, not as it is, but as we are. And he gave an example of, you know, you can be driving, you can be on a train going through this countryside and you go through there one day and it's raining and you're having a crappy day and you're just like, ugh, it's ugly. This is the worst. And then you go through another day and you're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen this before. It's so gorgeous. It's like beautiful, but it's the same exact world, but you're different day to day. And I think for me, that can be freeing because it means that the power, for lack of a better word, doesn't exist outside of me in some static uh, reality, but it's a changing the landscape changes according to what's going on in me and that I have um not not that I you need to force it to be one way or the other like you said you can let it be kind of 
subdued, depressed, whatever. And then you can let it rise back up and feel different. But there's something in there that does, I don't know, feel a little bit better to me about seeing it as something inside of me instead of. Yeah. I remember feeling like I was simultaneously relieved and a little unsettled because this was, it's just like, it was more noticeable this this time that it was really outside of things going on Hmm. that my mood this time changed so much. Um, So on one hand I was like, okay, well at least it's not like I have this burden of responsibility to make myself get out of this state. Yeah. On the other side, I was like, okay, so there is another element that I have to dance with here. That's not just, <laughs> not just, you know, I'm not controlling everything. Sometimes this shit just happens and you right. just, you know, but what you were to what your point of, of like the things that you focus on, that's like, I think the biggest thing I'm working on right now. It's like, yeah, you could focus on the, your wet clothes in, mm-hmm. you know, or your, the ruined day, or you could focus on like the beautiful, rain clouds or the you know like there's there's other things to focus on in each single event so i'm i've never i've never been the best at focusing on the the healthier stuff so i'm working on that (laughs) what are some practices in your life that are helpful to you uh like well my Mornings are very sacred. I definitely feel like they're they're like my non-negotiable um, for mm-hmm. a couple of reasons. I mean, I, I I had a really major back injury experience um, early in my life, and so I started doing these routines in the morning, which was like these stretching routines, and they've like grown into like they used to be like forty-five minutes, and now it's like two and a half hours of like non-negotiable morning stuff. So I get up, you know, like I think early for a musician, but like in t- like it still takes a good two and a half hours to get through like my my morning routine, which is like stretching and like yeah, it's uh it's it's stretching with no I have like my eye patches on I'm not listening to anything and it's so nice because I'm just zoning I'm just really zoned into my thoughts and it's like a place where I can just like have thoughts without any like time pressure really like i've woken up early enough so i can do this without having to be rushed and um and that's actually something like with the stretching it's like i can't it's like another thing with your intuition it's like your intuition is telling you when you're done stretching when you're done with that particular stretch and i don't i've tried to communicate this to other people and i have a hard time being like it feels like x when you're done because I'm not in their body. I, I don't right. know how to describe that, but there is something that's like, and some mornings it's like you might do a stretch and then you're done in two minutes. And some mornings it's six minutes and it's like, I have to zone. So if I, if I always do it for two minutes, sometimes it just won't be enough. And so I just like to zone into my body and like really connect to what it's needing. Um, and then I do a little like workout meditation thing at the end. And that's, that's like my mornings. Um, that helps me a ton. If I don't do that, my days are usually like very different. Which is amazing because 
I think most of the world has trouble practicing one discipline for five minutes. <laughs> so the fact that you've recognized the value to such an extent that you're willing to get up early and commit that much time to it says a lot about well, how how it affects you and how important it is. And, and I think it's because it's so immediate for me because of my old injury. Like mm-hmm. I, I was able to like really like get a whole like quote unquote new lease on life because my at the time my doctor had recommended surgery he was like you'll never run again like all this stuff that was pretty like horrible and this saved me from all of that um for the last 20 years and Mm -hmm. so i do it because i never want to go back to that that's like the you know that was the first motivation but then all these other wonderful things came out of it that i really love so they're also motivators now. Right. Well, I'll ask you one last question that I always like to ask people. And it's usually very hard for people, but um, maybe not for you (laughs) with all this (laughs) self-awareness. The question is, what do you love about being you in the world? What do you enjoy about being Alex. Damn, that is a hard question. <laughs> I'll be honest. I just did this. So, you know, in that book, there was an exercise that was like, ask some people close to you, like their favorite and least favorite traits about you. So I just did that. Wow. That's brave. And it was really interesting. Actually, it wasn't like, I was kind of wondering how it would feel. And I didn't really feel that triggered, to be honest, with like the the, the bad stuff that people s- said, maybe because I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, it, there was nothing that was like shocking to me, but I did feel like there's a lot of stuff, especially on the, the good sides that I wouldn't, have said and because they said it i was like oh yeah like it actually made me reconnect to those things but Mm. i wouldn't have gotten there on my own um community (laughs) yeah i mean it's true it's all mirrors and i need those for sure because i mean also being a six on the old enneagram (laughs) i am always looking outside for figuring shit out and um yeah i mean i'm trying to like strengthen that in, in, internal voice but um but uh it's really yeah it's really useful still for me to see like how how i'm how people are perceiving me it's always sort of a surprise hmm. so um that is a very hard question that is a very hard question what do i love the most about being me i would okay i'm gonna just say the belief in possibility it's like a very cherished thing um that i feel is part of me that uh i don't want to i would feel protective over as long as i can still like believe in that I feel like we'll be okay. 
Yes, I love that. And it's that belief is clearly reflected in everything you make and share. So I'm grateful that that exists in you as well. Thank you so much. Alex, thanks for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. It was good to talk to you. Yes, it was my honor to be here. Thank you for having me. And to those of you listening, I really appreciate you and would invite you to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. And also go check out Alex's music on Spotify or wherever you find good music. And until next time, keep living.